Okay, podcast listeners, welcome to Storytime with Dave. We're back again, and we're joined by uh, our guest today, the first guest from the first episode of Storytime with Dave, which wasn't officially the first episode, but it was the first episode once I had it published everywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatnot. It's Andrew Steiner, guys. Yay. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and we just did an episode of Andrew's podcast, which is True K podcast <laughs> i hate that podcast at the end of it what i hate that there's the pod i have to say pod that you have to say podcast after true k yeah you can't just say true k i mean so I, I, I let, uh, you'll get there yeah whatever anyway go subscribe to that shit we just had a really good conversation about like jews and geopolitics and we solved everything yeah we basically did the yeah. the conflict is over yeah Hamas has put down its arms. Israel is signing a peace treaty as we speak. And they're fucking beautiful, big titty Jews. As we speak. <laughs> yeah, and there's gonna be light brown skin, Arab Jewish babies. Yeah, and they are gonna take over the world in in forty three years. And they're gonna be technically Jewish, but raised however their parents want to raise them. If you think about that in terms of. Uh, I mean, like, there's, you know, there's Ethiopian Jews. Yeah. So these are black Jewish people. Yeah. And how could you be, I mean, that's just, you can't get canceled. <laughs> you could do anything. Right. That's, that's the true. most powerful position, probably, in terms of, uh, if we're playing the historical oppression game. Yeah. Ethiopian Jew, name name something. That's pretty good. Transgender Ethiopian Jew yeah. would be pretty Trans. much, that's basically as good in as you're going to get. Yeah, in a wheelchair. <laughs> in a wheelchair, deaf and blind. Yeah. Um, anything else? Just a bubble of brown skin with a <laughs> Jewish star on it. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely obese with, uh, with Huntington's disease. Yeah. That's basically... <laughs> That's I was arguing with Jason Scott about this because he was trying to include his HIV as part of his oppression. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that gets to count. Because I was like, look, you're gay and you're Jewish. That yeah. should be enough. Yeah. Not, don't get greedy. When you, you choose sh- not to have protected sex. Exactly. If you're born with the disease, yeah. we'll count that as, you know, um, act of God oppression. If this was an insurance company, yeah. we would call it act of God oppression. But... Yeah, Jason. Sorry, man. I don't know if we can count it. I wonder if there are any babies. I wonder if there are anybody born gay and with HIV. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like, I don't know. That would. I want to investigate that. Like, are these linked? Are these things linked? It's a little bit of extra foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you should have known. Okay, so we could talk about comedy. What what have you been? Uh, what have your feelings been? I mean, what have you been up to lately? Probably for the past, let's say, month. Let's say, what about that? I've been working my butt off on this show, how to meditate. Right, and so you want to make this into like an hour show, but it's it's more of like it's it's more than just a comedy. It's not just like a stand up comedy show. Mm-hmm. It's like you were doing the meditation walk through mm-hmm. the other day at Lucy's. Yeah. It's a great idea. I think it's hilarious because you have very weird comedy. Yeah. And it's like it's a good context for it. Yeah. Because you had everyone close their eyes and you're doing this meditation as though it's a real meditation. Yeah. And it's nice. Yeah. It's actually nice like if people like I was actually doing it. I know yeah. that most people probably had their eyes open and they were watching you, but I was like this is kind of cool and it was like a meditative experience. Yeah. And you started off regular like breathe in 
and let go of your stress. Mm-hmm. And then you just start getting really weird. Yeah. But it made it funnier yeah. because I was closing my eyes and I was like, yeah, I'm meditating. And then yeah. I was like, it was extra funny. And so I, I think if people actually do it, it's funnier. Yeah. And I actually like secretly want to actually teach people how to meditate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I do this at a fringe festival, I'm sure some people will expect to the whole thing to be learning to meditate. And some people will be like, no, we're not going to learn how to meditate. So it's, but I, I, I want it to be both helpful and funny, mm-hmm. but priority on the funny. Well, when you're working it out and you're trying to, are you breaking it into sections or like, I mean, how are you working this thing out? You want it to be like, it's an hour, right? Yeah. And did you do it the other day? I did it. It only lasts 30 minutes and I forgot the guided meditation. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> well, it's fucking. It was kind of like the first time you had done that, right? Yeah. yeah. Like in its, most in its of, entirety. Most of its entirety. Yeah. Well, okay. Like. But it was too much, man. I was fucking trying to produce a mini fringe festival, and then Olive's double booked the show, and then what people, did they do? They booked bands for the same fucking night, and I had to split the door with the band. Are you serious? Yeah, and that's so wet. I know, but it wound up working out okay. I was guess. it at least a good turnout? Well, I mean, like it, it doesn't even matter. Olive's the turnout. Sometimes the better the turnout, the worse the night because you got people like just <laughs> drunkenly. Back screaming at each other you know what for my part of it and for the first part of it it was good actually people That's i set good. up the chairs and people were paying attention it's possible to have a good night of olives it really is and then as soon as i got off stage the last show got the noisy people in the back and i felt real bad because she came all the way from the city and, who was it uh maggie laley or lally and know. what kind of show did she do a musical comedy show for like 30 How'd you break it up? Was it just 30 minutes each? I wanted it to be 45 minutes each, four mm-hmm. shows, but it wound up being 30 minutes each. She didn't even do 30. She did like 15. Or can't blame her. Yeah, I can't either. If it's that bad, I mean, I hate that, man. But I felt bad. She came up with her mom, took the train up. They got a hotel room in Nyack, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ah. That sucks. Yeah. That really sucks. But it happens, man. Yeah. Were you there on Monday? Uh, Yeah. When... There was a comedian on stage. We'll leave the comedian unnamed, but I felt bad because it was like so typical olives uh-huh. where most people weren't paying attention. Yeah. And then there was this girl at the bar, this like asshole. She was just an asshole. And then like in a lull when one of the comics jokes didn't work, which probably it didn't work because no one was listening, mm-hmm. you know. But she was just like, oh, this is so not funny. Yeah. And then... Like, after the next joke, she was like, just get off the stage. And I was like, this is so olives. And, like, you're so awful. And I I went on stage and I started saying sexist things to bother her. But I regret doing that. I wish I would have just asked her, like, what do you do? Yeah. That you, like, put yourself out there. Yeah. And that you try something. Like, what do you do that you um, risk criticism? Yeah, exactly. Nothing? Yeah. It's probably nothing, probably. you know? So, like, why are you being an asshole? If it was something, she wouldn't have had such disrespect. Exactly. Because, like, that's... I mean, it always comes back to that. I found that that is something that bothers me the most, probably. I'm very unbothered for the most part. Unless I feel like getting bothered and I lean into it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's like, most things don't bother me. But I really don't appreciate when someone's going to, like, shit on what I do. Mm-hmm. My work. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Like, especially if they've got nothing to lose in doing yeah. it. And they don't, 
You know, I had one time I had a, a Twitter argument with this guy and he told me I was a shitty comedian and I sucked. Yeah. And I looked at his account and he was a musician. Uh, Are we okay? I think we're okay. All right. Well, he was a musician. And so I was like, I'm going to shit talk his music. And so I went and listened to his music and I liked it. Mm-hmm. So I just sent him a message and I was like, I like your music. It's good. <laughs> Instead of being an asshole, I was like, I don't want to do that because it made me feel bad. Yeah. And he actually has good music, so I'd be lying. Yeah. So I just said, I like your music. Keep up the good work. And then he like doubled down and called me an asshole. And I was like, okay, well, I don't <laughs> feel so you. bad, though. <laughs> yeah. it, it was weird. Olives on Monday because I, I, was, I was doing, I was basically just working on that shit. And I had that one joke that destroyed. That was so funny. But it, but I did it at the show yesterday, and it bombed so. It hard. was the moment that that made it so funny. I don't yeah. know what it was. Yeah. It was something happened. Yeah. The funniest part of that was that, as soon as you said the joke, everyone laughed and applauded. You got the biggest applause break. Yeah. That we've had at Olives in a while. Yeah. And. And then everyone stopped listening. It was the most amazing thing. It was the most amazing thing. Everyone laughed so hard at your joke. They loved it. I can it. play they it. They clapped. Yeah, why don't you play it? Because, like, this was so... Dude, like, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. They all tuned out. A comedian came up to me, yeah. and he was like, damn it, dude, I thought I had the best joke of the night, but now he has the best joke of the night. Yeah. I'm like, he's still on stage. Yeah. Keep listening. It's <laughs> like, why are you... And when I would listen back to it, I was like, okay, I guess part of that was my fault because as soon as that joke got that response, I kind of let that derail me and I started saying like, oh, I was working on that joke. Finally, it worked. I got too meta. I got too introspective about the moment instead of just using that. No, energy. man. I don't think it was at all your fault in my remembrance <laughs> of it. Like, it was just something, some weird thing happened. And everyone <laughs> went, that was so funny that nothing he says is going to be funnier. So we're tuning out. Like, it was almost like, I don't know. I mean, I had that reservation, res- resignation on stage, too, uh, mm-hmm. about that same thing. Like I, I was resigned to that being true yeah. too, uh, but it was, it was weird because it was like, in that moment I was doing material. The joke before that worked, well. Yeah. And, I then improvised. Right. I was, and I said something I've said and wrote a billion times, the first half of the donut, the universe shaped like a donut, and then the second half, like when's God gonna dunk it? <laughs> I said, I said that almost like. Dave Chappelle, like, like there's something, um, I don't know, something, something he does on Chappelle. Yeah, it show. was like the way you said it, when you said it, mm-hmm. the, the context energy. of it, like everything just aligned. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. But I'll play it. We'll see what people. Okay. <laughs> you ready? I've like tried to wrote, write that joke a billion times. And I just came up with the Duncan line right now. So, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
now you can hear it in the background. It just got worse. It sounds like Anthony Quinn. <laughs> yeah, well, well, um, I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, like, it wasn't. It wasn't your fault. Yeah. That they tuned out. Like, I don't know what it was, but it just happened. It was amazing. And I think it's because it's olives, mm -hmm. and that happens more frequently. Like, if that was at Rhino, yeah, it wouldn't people happen. aren't going to start talking. No yeah. one's going to start talking. But I don't know. It was like. But I can't. I also. I don't know why that joke is funny. I don't even know if it's a joke. I think it's a joke. I mean, it's like, it's not a regular setup punchline. Well, it kind of is. The deep realizations part and the fact that that's not deep at all. Right. That's kind of funny. Yeah. It's funny on different levels. Mm -hmm. There's different parts of it that make it funny. Yeah. And then, I don't know. And then there was a visual element where I did envision God taking a galaxy shaped like a donut yeah. and dunking it into coffee yeah. and then eating it. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I envisioned. And I was like, that's a funny visual too. Yeah. So there's different elements to it. It's cool because it's like a very short. But I'm trying to think what I did wrong after that. I said, oh, I slowed down. And then I, I tried to go back into that voice and I oversold it. Right. You know, there's all mm -hmm. those things. There's, there's a few things I did. You're right. Wrong. You're right. I mean, I find that when I get into those situations where people are laughing really hard and I'm getting some applause, I I will like increase intensity mm -hmm. and I'll get really excited mm -hmm. and I'll just keep just, you know, like like chipping away. Mm-hmm. And seeing how far I can take it. That that works like for me it works great. Yeah. I just take it to the end. That's until the they're until they tire out a little bit. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, that's that's I was doing that bottom tranny thing the week before. It's yeah. like we had these two moments. Like you had the moment on Monday, and Monday was a little better, but that was like the best olives moment. Like literally in the past three months. Uh-huh. It was like your moment on Monday yeah. and then my moment with those Jews yeah. last week. Yeah. Those were like the best olives moments we've had in months. Yeah. So maybe things were looking up. But when that was going on, I was just like, people started laughing when I said bottom tranny. And I was like, oh, I'm going in. And I was like, yeah. I cut my fucking dick off. I was like, didn't get the top surgery. It's superficial. You know And I'm just like anything that was just, it was stream of consciousness mostly. Yeah. But that's, that's the most, I mean, that's the best example of when the people are like the comedian feeds off the energy of the audience yeah but that's like the best example of it i have a problem sometimes of keeping that energy moving i sometimes shut down because i'm overwhelmed mm -hmm. by how good it feels and i'm like ah. and then i start doubting whether i'll be able to live up to what's already happened and then i just collapse you know that's uh that's like i've thought i've talked about it with jimmy it's like um, a visual analogy would be like hitting a volleyball in the air mm. and playing keep it up with the volleyball. That's the laugh. Mm -hmm. The volleyball represents the laugh. So even if you hit it really high and you're like huge laugh, like just try to keep it up a little bit. You can just pop it up like a mm -hmm. foot or two, but just with like a few things. Once the, the laugh completely dies out, then it's like, 
I don't know, man. I'm just glad it happened, usually. Sometimes, though, sometimes I will do it where I'll take it so far that I'll say another tag or another punchline and it and it bombs. Yeah. And then I feel like it didn't just happen. It yeah. feels like yeah. it feels like it completely erases yeah. the fact that that joke just killed. Yeah. And I feel like I just tanked it. Even though to the audience they probably don't necessarily think that, but the yeah. way I'm feeling, I'm like but there's like a moment where you could become a legend, where you can feel like you're a legend. If you can keep that kind of uproar going, it's like yeah. you feel like you're on par with the great. That's the best. Yeah. I mean, that's the best feeling possible. Yeah. But you got to like then you got to do that all the time. Like it's you have to risk killing the bit. Yeah. Mid laugh. Yeah. That's something that used to be a big problem for me. Mm was that um, I would talk over laughter mm -hmm. and I wasn't doing it deliberately. And so I was shrinking down my set yeah. because I wasn't allowing the laughter to take place. Yeah. Now when I do it though, if I'm talking over laughter, it's deliberate. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I want to hit it yeah. higher, higher, yeah. higher, like get it up, get the decibels yeah. up. Let's fucking blow the roof off this place. Like I want it to be. Yeah. I might've waited too long also on that. Laugh. That, that happens too. Like, that's something, uh, it bores me a little bit when I watch stand-up comedy where they do that. I know you feel the same way because we're both like somewhat unorthodox in our approach to comedy. Mm -hmm. And that that bores me when people go in a very generic comedy, jokey joke way. Mm -hmm. I always say comedy, jokey joke. And then when I listen back to the podcast, I'm like, that sounds so gay. Don't say that. <laughs> I just say it anyway. But like, you know what I'm saying? It's like... Um, the very generic type of comedian mm -hmm. that, like, when we were just talking about performing at synagogues and your podcast, like, they're doing hacky Jew jokes. That's the way to do a show like that, or hacky yeah. Italian jokes. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. And then it's very, uh, they're like, it seems like they're doing something rehearsed. They're like, here's a sentence, pause, mm -hmm. wait for laughter. And another thing, and I hate when they do that, and they pa they say, and, like, they're going to continue the thought, mm -hmm. but they pause for laughter. Yeah. My favorite thing, there's a few comedians in our scene who do it, but there's professional comedians that do it. But I love seeing it in our scene because you get to see it not work. Yeah. And they'll go, um, like, I was at, the, like, and, and I said to the guy, I said to the guy this, but, and they stop for laughter and no one laughs, and they're like, wait and then they continue the joke and you're like that's not how it works you react yeah I you mean, don't plan it you react to it yeah react to the laughter as it happens like yeah. don't i've been trying to get i've been doing that lately because what schultz said it's just like you can tell a person who's a real comedian because they would say what they were saying anyway they're not whether they thought someone's gonna laugh at it or not yeah and i try to i try to deliver as if that's what I'm doing because mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to and I, I remember hearing Paul McCartney talk about playing the same songs over and over again and it's the same thing it's like you have to re-experience that and forget that and come to what you were going to do in an organic way if you're going to deliver it as if it's fresh and meaningful yeah and that's like um, I think that people don't realize how much these guys write too who are more off the cuff comedians mm -hmm. some of them don't write at all i mean like what the fuck sinbad you know sinbad yeah yeah like 
He was on Good Ones podcast. Yeah, Did you listen that, to that episode? Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is amazing because like, how does he not write at all? Yeah. But he can do like two hours. But his brain is just built different. But yeah. a lot of these guys like Schultz. I bet Schultz is writing all the time. Yeah. And I bet he's got jokes prepared. And then it becomes something. Um, it's like if you're a really great musician, like to be a great improvisational jazz musician, you have to know every scale mm-hmm. in every key, you know, like not really, only, really well. Not only do you have to know every scale, you have to know the common patterns and you have to know licks that would work over those pat over those chord changes yeah. in every key. And, and once that becomes ingrained in your body, then you can improvise on those already coherent licks yeah and that's what people i think don't realize i mean the non-comedian a lot of people who don't know much about comedy think comedians just go on stage and are just being funny which is just like that's very wrong but then there's even comedians who are like dude this guy's so good he goes up on stage and he just riffs Mm -hmm. for 15 minutes and you're like he kind of riffs it what's happening there is unique Mm -hmm. i mean i've been doing this a lot like the last month or two Mm -hmm. like it's always different. Mm-hmm. It comes out different every time. But the ideas are similar. But you just start to pick up on things. Like, I was talking to someone about this. It might have been Marcus or, like, Jimmy or something. But you get to a point where you can see when you're kind of, like, up there riffing. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it's, like, crystallizing. Like, it's coming up. You see a punchline coming up. Like, you're just riffing and you're, like... Oh, this next thing I'm gonna say is a punchline. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you, and then was I talking to you about this? Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like you just kind of like work through it. You can't be like afraid of the silence. Like work with the silence, and if you build the tension, the punchline will hit it even harder. But it'll appear like through. The, it's like uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, oh my god, it's the punchline, and then you <laughs> deliver it like a punchline, and you're like, oh, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And maybe it's a punchline you wrote before but you're putting it in a different context and you're like, Oh, this would work here really well, but it's all happening. It's, it's like you're improving, like it's happening right there. Yeah. But I don't know that I like, I find, I love that. I love that. I miss, I miss that period where I was just completely improvising. Um, and sometimes it would be horrible, but sometimes I would have great sense. Yeah, dude. And I literally like might have an, a seed of an idea or I might not. Yeah, and I'd have to tell full blown stories, and it's it would sometimes do really well. Mm-hmm. And there's something really beautiful about that. But it's like now I'm just trying to at least have little little bits of that come out, you know, and be loose enough because I'm trying to build a whole show. So yeah, I, I have to have. There has to be some structure to it. I'm trying to make it a narrative too. I'm trying to have like a beginning, middle, and end, and plot plot points, and all this characters yeah. and character development and all this shit so it's like i need i don't know man that's something that i realized too and i was telling my my listeners about this that if you can make it a story like any joke you should make all your jokes into a story and then make all the jokes put together into a bigger story Mm. but stories are just more engaging and people yeah you'll retain their attention and you keep keep them hooked and um i did I did a set, um, I forget what it was, but afterwards it was like some of Nicole's friends were there and they were like, it felt, it felt like you were up there for like a minute. Like it felt so short. And I was like, that's cause I heard, Oh, I heard that in a Kevin Hart interview Mm. with Joe Rogan. 
He's like, I don't want them to feel like it's been an hour and a half. Right. I want them to be like, holy shit, the show's over? Yeah. And you do that through storytelling. Yeah. Like, that's how you do it. I want to I wanna do that through storytelling, but also through creating an experience. Because I, I once went to a show that changed my life, that changed my, the way I saw entertainment. Uh, this band called The Music Tapes. You ever heard of... Uh, Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. There's like one member of them has this other band called The Music Tapes. And it was in this fucking basement, these like 17 year old kids' basement. And we're just waiting for the band and hanging out with these kids, me and my friends, uh, these strangers' basement. And then eventually they get there. We help the band unload like a truck full of like fucking Christmas lights and mm-hmm. crazy shit. And they the, the whole show was crazy. They blindfolded us and pretended to throw knives at us. They, they fucking read our fortunes. They created. A, they made a fire, and we jumped How many over the fire. Were you? It was like probably eight to twelve audience members wow. and then four band members. It was just like a whole. <laughs> it felt psychedelic. It felt like I was in a dream, but it right. wasn't. And um, it was amazing. And my that's kind of my creative goal, except we're financially successful. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and I, so that's what I'm trying to do with with this how to meditate show. And I want to do like like today in therapy. I I was like we were talking about how the school system is fucked up. Now how and I was like I want to create a show where it's it's like maybe in a school, and like every ten minutes we change classes. The bell rings and we go to like different classes. <laughs> we have lunch and recess. <laughs> like I want to do crazy shit like that where it's just like an experience. You know. That is fun. I've been thinking of. Uh... Because, like, I've been reading a lot, and so I've been thinking of just story ideas. It's like, I love doing that, too, instead of thinking of jokes ideas. I've been spending less time with comedy offstage mm. the past month, and but it has not negatively impacted my performances whatsoever. Mm. It's They've gotten better to an extent, different a little bit, but um, I don't know. I like... You seem more yourself on stage which is good and impressive i'm feeling that way yeah but i know there's like a ways to go there's still a ways to go yeah. you know but okay wait and you you like where do you go to therapy around here yeah it's right around the corner mm-hmm. yeah i go to therapy too high five therapy five yeah yeah man, man that's what's up yeah i had to start going for the dui but oh, then yeah. i'm buddies with my therapist so i'm like i'll just keep seeing him as I long as until my parents until I'm off my parents' health insurance in a few months, then I'm like, I'm not paying 150 bucks a session, no yeah, way. Yeah. Can't do it. My shit's covered by Medicaid. Socialism. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, anything else, man? No, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty more to say. Comedy. But we can get to it next time. It's endless. There's always a next time, you yeah. know? So, yeah, we'll we'll continue. I mean, do you want to, like, okay, go listen to True K Podcast. Mm-hmm. True K yeah. Podcast. Come see my shows. I got one in uh, in Kingston at, mm-hmm. at the, the, what's the fucking name of this place? The Beverly. Right. November 1st. I think I'm going to be in Louisville for three shows, like, November 9th or something. And fucking the... The twenty second, I'll be in Philly at Frankie Bradley's. So you cool. All on my website, truecapepod.com, and get tickets. And what about um, is your is your Instagram just Andrew Steiner? Yeah, without. The oh a. yeah, it's Andrew Steiner. Yeah, yeah. Is it the at sign. Is the yeah, a? yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I see you. I see you. Yeah. 
All right, well, thanks for joining us, Stein. Thank you for having me back. We love you, audience. Love you. Bye.